Hey there, welcome to another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and every episode here on Film Streak, I'm going to go through and talk about some movies that I've been meaning to watch for a while, and uh, maybe I've just had them on my list, or maybe they've been kind of popping up in some recommendations. You know, sometimes it's something that's a new release, sometimes it's just uh, some, you know, art house kind of independent thing that really probably went overlooked and just needs a little bit of attention. Uh, maybe it's even a classic that just, uh, escaped my radar, you know, just didn't, didn't really, um, you know, didn't really appeal to me at the time. And so now I'm just going to do it just to say that I've seen it. So either way, I'm just watching a lot of movies now and I'm watching something new, something that's new to me. So here's a chance where I'm going to really mix it up and just throw in some random things sometimes. Maybe it's some stuff that I probably wouldn't even normally watch, but uh, in an effort to just see what else is out there, here I go. I'm just going to try and watch some new stuff. So, all right. So look, if you're listening to this, thanks for checking it out. Um, be sure to go to filmstreak.com. You can find our other episodes there. Uh, you can find links to subscribe and all the podcast places. And, um, in the meantime, let's get into it, man. Let's pick up from where we left off. Okay. So this is number 93. This is Destroyer. And this is from 2018. Uh, it's directed by Karen Kusama, who, uh, has done some TV work. Um, some of the stuff that, uh, some of the episodes of shows like Billions, um, and uh, other series like that where you might recognize the name, but here was a chance for uh, this filmmaker to really, uh, I think, exercise some vision and some some ideas with, um, you know, the main star of this is Nicole Kidman. And this is about a this is a story about a, a detective who's gone undercover and and pretty much gone too far undercover to the point where she's really lost herself and become something uh, entirely different. And, you know, the, the visual key to that is Nicole Gibbon herself. The performance here is so um, it's so bold that uh, there, there's really not much, there's not many scenes. There's not many moments in the film where I feel like I'm watching Nicole Kidman, someone who is, uh, very established in film and Hollywood or whatever, uh, very recognizable. But here, wow, there's a lot that I just, I didn't really feel like I was watching her. And so that's, that says a lot. I mean, just in terms of the performance, right? Just on a very kind of a aesthetic level. It's not to say she hasn't done that in other films before, but also some of the, uh, some of the character traits that she works into this really speak to uh, what happens to this, this character, this woman. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of it that is a, l- it's a little bit procedural in terms of this is a t- detective who at the beginning of the film, we see her, you know, come up on a crime scene and there's a murder and she seems to know something about this. And the other detectives there are trying to maybe figure some things out. And she's already a little bit ahead of the game, but it's not really clear why. And so the film jumps back in time and we look at, uh, you know, how she kind of led up to knowing what this murder is all about. And that even goes back to when she first takes on this case and, you know, with her partner uh, in this undercover uh, investigation, her partner is Sebastian Stan. Uh, his character is, you know, someone that is... um really, you know, really trying to make this case work and stay by her side, but they've got a few different ideas in mind about how to do it and how to, and how far to go undercover basically. So, you know, the idea that she takes such a, um, uh, a deep, uh, dive into this world of these criminals and drugs and, and all the things that are happening. She loses touch with her daughter and everybody who probably meant something to her ex-husband and, and all that and becomes transformed into this other being that is uh, just hard edged and uh, damaged and really, um, you know, really someone who's lost themselves. And so this was a, I thought it was a really interesting performance. Um, even, you know, in terms of the filmmaking, there's a few interesting touches that are brought to the, you know, brought to the screen. But, um, 
You know, the the main power of this isn't so much the story. The story is kind of interesting. It's got a few reveals and a few twists in it. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's really more, it's one of those showcase performance pieces and really diving into this character. So on that, on that level, I really thought it was pretty strong. Um, the ending is really, uh, I mean, you might even be able to see the ending coming, but, um, it's just one of those that, uh, if you're really a, a fan of Nicole Kidman, if you're really a fan of like undercover crime dramas, really kind of gritty stuff, this is really, that's really what it's cut out to be. Um, I just remember thinking that this doesn't feel like something Nicole Kidman would do, uh, just based on previous films and, and the, you know, the, the more glamorous looks at, um, different, you know, characters and, and different types of stories. Uh, this just seems so far out of left field. I just wanted to really watch this and, and see what it was all about. And so it, it is a really gritty take on it. And, uh, I would say it's it's maybe a recommendation depends on how much you you know how much you want to buy the premise of Nicole Kidman being such this hard edge just uh, really you know beaten undercover police officer and so with that in mind it's probably a recommendation um, it's not one that I necessarily want to sit through again it's really kind of a downer. Uh, but you know, Hey, just to each their own, but also it, there's quality here. Let's put it that way. There's, there's some real quality to the, the performances and the filmmaking itself. So maybe give it a shot. And, um, so that's number 93. That's destroyer. We're getting through these fast. Okay. Cause you know what? We're racing to 100. Okay. So let's keep it moving. All right. Next one here is number 94 death on the Nile. And this is from 2022. This is directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh, uh, starring a bunch of people, really. Some who I'm familiar with, some who I'm not familiar with. And, uh, you know, one of those being Gal Gadot, who plays um, kind of an, an heiress who is uh, getting um, married to this. Um, well, you know, it's Army Hammer who's playing this character. So I really tried to kind of distance myself from that a little bit because it's a little, you know, given recent, uh, more recent events, um, probably, I guess, during the making of this film or after the making of this film, it's a little hard to watch sometimes when you see um, some of the off-screen behavior of somebody. It's hard to really buy the character. Hey, Will Smith, talking to you, bro. So look, Death on the Nile is kind of a typical... Um, uh, crime, murder, mystery, especially in in the vein of uh, you know this follows on um, Kenneth Branagh's previous film, um, Murder on the Orient Express, which is similar thing. Follows the same character of Poirot, where he's trying to solve a mystery, but it involves you know a dozen suspects, all possibly you know the one that committed it or involved somehow, and so. You know, there's a funny thing about these films that, you know, they're they're hinged on a murder and they're hinged on, you know, the person that is trying to solve that murder, which in a way is also a very procedural thing. You know, there's a lot that is just discovering clues, putting that together with uh, a timeline or with certain people and then their motivations. Right. It's all part of like the murder mystery um, you know, the, the devices that go with that kind of a story. And so this, um, you know, the problem I had with murder on the Orient Express is it just felt like it was very, um, kind of playing at solving a mystery. It was playing at the seriousness or the stakes of a murder and to where it's almost like a little bit of a game. And now that's, you know, there's entertainment in there, I guess. Um, and this one kind of does the same thing where it's showing us these characters and these settings that are kind of extravagant and luxurious and very like a uh, high society in, in a way. And, you know, and no murder can happen at any, you know, at any uh, point in, in any type of, you know, our, our 
the the way we live our world, right? Um, you know, murder can happen in any part of the world with anybody involved for any reason. Okay, so that's not the problem. The problem is that this just it just dresses it up so much, and it really uh, it starts to diffuse the fact that in this story, someone lost their life. And so that's where I just think, um, I don't know, it, it just feels really glossy. And, and maybe that's not the right word for it, but it, it's something that I don't feel like takes its entire premise seriously. And so it's just hard to really, I don't know, for me, it's hard to get those two things to, it's, it's hard to reconcile that, that we're talking about someone who's been killed and somebody's at fault for that. Somebody committed that act. And yet to build a little bit of a, of a, of a game around solving who did it and the man who's so clever and so um, insightful, which, I mean, there's, there's something to that, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It feels like too shiny, too glossy. It it just feels too, uh, too much like murder. Isn't really the, the issue here. It's more about, seeing into these people and seeing into what makes them tick. And I, you know, I know that's part of solving the case, but I don't know this film and the, and the film that came before it. And, and really like a lot of like Agatha Christie stuff just feels like it does that at least on film. And so, you know, maybe this is based on, based on literature and, and it takes a different tone and a different weight to it. Um, the stakes feel more grounded, maybe here it's it I don't know it doesn't really work for me and uh I mean, if you want to see like this with the the settings and the costume design and all that, I mean it's interesting, but the fact that it all kind of hinges around the murder and it's trying to take it seriously, but it also doesn't i that's where I just uh I don't know. I, I can't really go for it. So Death on the Nile, that's going to be a pass. You know, it's just one of those that it didn't really hit with me. So it's a new release. Uh, just, you know, came out this year. But um, I'm going to say, let's just keep that one moving. Just, you know, send that down the river. How about that? Ugh. Okay. All right. Let's keep it moving now. Number 95. This is The Dry. And this is from 2020, and this is directed by Robert Connolly and stars someone who I wish was in more movies, in more higher-profile roles, because I just like watching Eric Bana in just about everything he's been in. And, you know, there's a there's kind of a, a quietness and a stillness that he can play. And I, I think he even has, if I remember right, like some background in comedy. I don't know if it's stand-up comedy, but some of the, the earlier work I think he did, like in Australia, was uh, based in comedy. But, you know, when he came to, I, like, I remember seeing Eric Bana in Black Hawk Down. I think that was like the first role where I, I just, I just, you know, identify him with that guy, with Hoot. Right. Like, this is my safety, sir. You know, that's what I remember. And uh, so when you see him in other things like he was in Troy, uh, he obviously played um, the Hulk in the first iteration of uh, the, the Hulk on film uh, with Ang Lee. And um, he's been in a few other things here and there. He did a great documentary, actually, um, maybe about 10 years ago now um, about cars, which. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see, but it was actually really well done and I really enjoyed it. And, um, and I wish I could think of the title of it right now. And it's going to just, you know, it's going to frustrate me that I can't think of it. And I'm not going to look it up because we're going to keep this going. We're going to keep this focused on the dry. Now, the dry in itself is a film about, um, a detective or, or a police officer, I should say, that uh, goes home to a small town where he, I guess, originally lived or as a, as a young man. And uh, he goes home to attend a funeral for uh, a family that was murdered. And as he's there, he kind of stays around to 
look into it and and maybe help if you can understand like what happened and why did it happen because he thinks there might be something related to something that happened to him in the past and you know he kind of hits brick walls like trying to ask people about this and ask people about the situation and and uh who was involved in all that so he kind of does his own digging and he discovers it is linked to some things that happened to him and you know in that case, it is kind of a more standard detective drama. There are some elements of, uh, you know, he's haunted by his past. He's haunted by something that happened in his past that the film really plays it really close to the vest. So that you're not really sure if he is, uh, if he is involved with this murder that happened in the past, uh, which maybe somehow is related to the murder that he's trying to look into now. He's just not really clear how he's involved. It's made obvious that he knows how it happened or or he knows what happened. But did he do it? Did he make it happen? You know, it's it's really, it's not to the very end of the film, like the very end, when you realize really what happened and how tragic it is and how um, his character has been struggling with it for years or decades, really. And, um, so it's, it's a little bit intriguing in that way that it really approaches the, the investigation of a crime as more than just putting the clues together, putting the suspects together, you know, putting all the pieces together of a puzzle. It's also about what the person doing that is bringing to that process, which, uh, you know, I, I guess a lot of people don't necessarily account for that that uh you know people who are in law enforcement or or investigating crimes and and documenting crimes they are people themselves and they may have their own histories and they may have histories that are intertwined with some of the crimes they have to investigate you know especially like in small towns people know each other and people don't like each other or people have reasons to you know maybe be um, involved with, uh, you know, families and, and other families or neighbors or whatever. So when you have those close bonds with the people around you, it's hard to sometimes not come to a situation with that baggage, you know, with, with that just as a part of who you are. So this film kind of tries to look at that. And, you know, a, a part of the other thing, I mean, the, it's called The Dry, right? The film's called The Dry. And I thought one of the interesting things was this wasn't just a detective story uh, trying to solve a murder and maybe, you know, dealing with some things in the past, but it also makes use of the landscape. You know, this is set in Australia and it's set in uh, a time of uh, just incredible or extreme drought. And so a lot of the scenes, a lot of, uh, you know, parts of the film take place in this environment. So you see everything's brown, everything's dry, dusty. And, and I would think, oh, that's just interesting, like world building, you know, just the surroundings for this environment. But it actually comes into play late in the film and in a way that is really kind of dark and disturbing, actually. Um, but it's an interesting way to make use of your environment or maybe just the 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 things that the 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 locations that you might have. I mean, I I don't know if this was part of the story or this was you know just coincidental that this was a, an element and then the locations and and the weather and all that just made it all possible. But it really was a um it really was an interesting approach to work in the actual environment that the film is set in into the story itself. So that's a recommendation for me, actually. I really liked this. Um, It's a very kind of slow moving, almost a quiet drama. Uh, It does have some moments of real um, intensity, uh, especially towards the end as, as things are starting to be revealed and, you know, the suspects starting to, you know, you know, become clear. Um, but for the most part, for like 90% of the film, it's it's really a slow burn and it takes its time and it really hangs on the very natural and um, 
nuanced performances. Um, and Eric Bana here, I think he's a guy that I just I just enjoy watching. And so, you know, here he plays it really in a somber way, but it's necessary for the story. So um, that's the recommendation for me. That's the dry. All right. Let's keep this moving now. Um, okay. So look, if you watch enough movies, you know that sometimes they don't go right or they don't go well or they don't go as expected or whatever. But the, the thing is that if you've seen how films are made sometimes, it, it even becomes clear that it's not because of who made the film. And, you know, whether it's uh, circumstances about uh, who produced the film, maybe who financed the film, uh, maybe it's like a studio, uh, you know, an executive uh, decision to um, change the film or... I mean, this happened, I guess, most famously, most recently with um, um, the uh, the Justice League film, right? You know, it was 2017, something like that. And, you know, it was taken over by uh, Joss Whedon from Zack Snyder. And the film was released and it was a piece of trash. And here recently, last year, where... Uh, Zack Snyder was able to revisit the material and basically release his version, even though it was much longer, but it held to everything he originally intended. It had all the scenes he originally shot. It just really stuck to his original vision. And so when you see things like that on that grand scale, right, this is like a tentpole blockbuster for a studio that can, you know, involve hundreds of millions of dollars. When you see that that kind of um, that kind of interference by a studio or by other filmmakers or whatever can change so much of what you see on screen, you know it can happen at any level below that. And so, number ninety six is what I'm getting to. Number ninety six, this is Exposed from 2016, and. Uh, this is written and directed by, well, it's interesting. It's written and directed by G. Malik Minton. And yet it's billed in the film as Declan Dale. And there's a reason for that. And I wasn't sure at first, but a little, you know, looking at IMDb revealed that this film was heavily re-edited. And... So a lot of my a lot of my notes and a lot of my thoughts as I'm watching the film are starting to to coalesce into this film feels like it just it, it feels a little bit like amateurish. It feels like the editing is just off and uh just unusual and disjointed and it wasn't necessarily clear, like, because th there's kind of two storylines in the film, and you believe that they're going to be related. And the fact that they're not really, they, they don't converge until almost the, you know, the very end of the film, like in the last third. Watching the film, it's not really clear what the hell's going on. It just looks like a mess. And yet there are little, Parts of it that are interesting, some of the performances are interesting, but it's not really, it's just not coming together. It's not holding as a, as a nice cohesive story. What the film plays as, as it has, as it was released. Okay. It's about a young woman who is, um, you know, living in New York and she, um, she has a big family. She, uh, well, she doesn't have a big family. She's engaged or married to uh, a young guy who's in the, in the military. He's away. But her family, uh, it's like her brother, uh, his brother and sisters and mom and all that. 
they're basically the her family unit. She has her parents, but she doesn't they're not really in the story. And it's not clear at first, but so she kind of associates more with his family. And one night going home, uh, she's walking through tunnels, going into the subway, and she sees this mysterious kind of uh man, uh albino figure, walk past her in the subway, uh, step off the platform hover above the uh the the rails and then the train comes he steps back onto the platform gets on the train and leaves and to her it's kind of a vision it's kind of a what am i seeing i'm not sure what i'm seeing and yet she believes that it's real and takes this back home and tells you know the what the events of what happened and so right away, I mean, this is like in the first 10 minutes of the film. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is how this is supernatural now. OK, I thought this was like about a detective solving a crime. <laughs> and what happens immediately, immediately following the next day is a cop is murdered in that same subway. And so that cop's partner who's Keanu Reeves, comes in to investigate, start to piece together how this happened, who did it, um, wh- what reasons, right? And, well, I mean, here's where it's like you set up two stories now. You've got this young girl uh, and something weird and, and kind of crazy happened. And you've got this cop who's looking into a crime. And you think, oh, they're going to immediately piece her together with, how this crime happened. And yet, no, it takes most of the film for those two storylines to come together. Now, this young woman has no criminal uh, involvement with anything. And so you think, okay, well, this is not really going to, this is not going to add up. Like, how are they going to connect her to this crime? And so when Keanu Reeves is facing this investigation of how to figure out who solved or who murdered his partner. He starts to uncover things about his partner. His partner's crooked. His partner's got into all kinds of other trouble and um, is just really not a not the guy that he thought he was. Okay, so now we're trying to figure out who is the one that might have been motivated to kill him. And you know, the, the the long of it is that. There's other supernatural elements involved. There's other criminal elements involved. There's family involved. And yet, when we get down to it, we get down to the basically the, the end of the film. It becomes this thing where this young woman, at the beginning of the film, we flash back. Okay, so at the end of the film, we flash back to the very beginning where she's in the subway. She's walking through tunnels and she sees like a homeless guy or whatever. We come to find out something really disturbing and just violent and tragic. And then we see how the two stories are related. And we get an explanation for where this supernatural element came from. And it's not really what you expect. And I feel like it, in its original form, it would have been... It maybe would have happened a little sooner and it would have meant more because you would have maybe understood that it's not necessarily about the detective who, I mean, if you look at the poster, right? If you look at that, whose face is first on that and who's the face you know more and how does this, what kind of film does this look like? Just going by that. So that tells you like this was already kind of reshaped into something that it's not because I really don't think the detective story is all that important when you get down to it. When you get down to the end of the film, you realize what this story is really trying to tell you, what it's really about. And it's about a young woman dealing with trauma, basically. And dealing with loss. And so she's the main character in this. And everything that happens to her is the main story. So this is, a, you know, I can't recommend this film as it is. And maybe as a curiosity, maybe you just kind of want to watch it and see what it is, but it's not that enjoyable. And it's actually a little bit, 
I don't know. It's just messy. And so, but if you know the story behind it now, like how it ended up like it is now, well, maybe you can kind of piece together what this could have been, which, uh, you know, no filmmaker wants, no artist wants their work to be reinterpreted um, and then have to be basically undone in the mind of the viewer and then try to re-piece it together in what they originally intended. That's not how it works. So this is really uh, f- for all the um, for all this talk about what this film is. You know, it's more that it, it, it's more interesting that it's a look at how a film can go wrong and how it's not necessarily even the filmmaker's fault. You know, sometimes an actor can say, well, I was in this movie and it turned out to be a piece of shit, but it wasn't my fault. I didn't make the film. I just played a part in it. Well, here you can see that even the filmmaker couldn't control, uh, and maybe it's a contractual thing or something, but the the studio or whatever dipped their hand into it. And now you've got a different film than even the filmmaker wanted. So, you know, I, I feel bad for the director here, the writer and director who had a vision and had an idea and worked on it and put it together. And yet it didn't really come out the way he had hoped. And so I, you know, I hope someone with this kind of a, of a story or an idea gets another shot for sure. I mean, I don't know if he's made other films uh, since this or before this, but uh, I never like to see this kind of thing happen to someone who's just trying to tell an interesting story and something unique. And this kind of, it could be, you could see where it could be unique, but in this case, the way the film actually has been released, it's uh it's just kind of a mess. So look, that's just a long way to say that uh, sometimes films work and sometimes they don't. And it's not always for the reasons you think, but um, I can't really recommend it. But if you're just curious about it, check out Exposed. All right. So let's keep it moving here. Number 97. This is Dark Blue. And this was directed by Ron Shelton um, and stars Kurt Russell and Ving Rains. And uh, it's interesting, though, because it's a story that was set in 2000 or it's filmed in 2002 released in 2002, but it's set in 1992 and it's about the LAPD and it's uh, you know, basically about police, uh, you know, police tactics, police policies, and then you know, even corruption and, and police brutality uh, right at the time when, you know, if you were alive in 1992, you were any understanding of 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 what was going on then in LAPD and in Los Angeles in general. It was a nightmare. You know, the year before, Rodney King is videotaped getting beaten by police officers. And then in 1992, those officers went to court and were acquitted and the city just blew up. And so this film is set right in that window between, oh, the jury is out right now, and then the verdict comes in, and everything goes to hell. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a really incendiary kind of uh, subject matter here. And, and you know, the, the, the shame is that this is 2002, 20 years later, some of these things are still a factor. And if you look at it from 1992, 30 years later, some of these things are still a factor. Some of these things are still a problem. And so the way this film comes together, though, is interesting in that, you know, Kurt Russell, he plays a a detective that is really kind of a hard ass. And in a way, one of those that you could almost stereotype is like, oh, here's this racist, bully, asshole who has no problem you know, beating people, um, abusing his power, um, cutting corners, you know, all the stuff that you, you fear in a police officer, but all the stuff you just dread in a person, you know? And so that's the first glimpse you get. And that's really kind of what sticks with you. This guy is just not, he's the one that's in the power. He's the one that's the figure of authority and he's misusing everything about it. And, and yet, you know, it's also playing against the, the, you know, he has a partner, a young partner who is, um, 
you know, kind of fresh face and not really, um, I think it's Scott Speedman is, uh, his partner and he's, um, you know, trying to do the right thing, trying to be a good police officer and, and, you know, uphold the law and protect people and, and all that stuff. Right. And yet, you know, Kurt Russell, his, his character, his name is Perry. He's trying to lure him into this. Like, Hey man, you got to be a part of the brotherhood. You got to toe the line, you know? Um, there's a way we do things here in LAPD and this is what you got to do. And that kind of, uh, conflict just like within a department or within, you know, this unit, uh, it, it's a metaphor for how this works in law enforcement in general, not everywhere and not all police officers, of course, but in this story, it's part of how, how Los Angeles got to where it got. And so it's pretty gritty. Um, it's pretty, pretty brutal in some ways. Um, in terms of not even in terms of like violence, but just in terms of the way it, you know, the way these characters just don't give a shit. And even in terms of the, the, the criminals in the film that are, you know, the kind of the street gang culture who, um, are actually working in some ways for the police, you know, stirring up trouble, robbing, killing. And, you know, and it's part of the story. And so some of it's fictional. I mean, it's not, you know, based on a real story or anything. But, you know, the idea is that the police, you know, the law enforcement in general has so much, so such far-reaching power that the people at the top, of course, not necessarily officers on the ground or or, or even, you know, people doing the legwork. It's the people at the top that can make such big calls and, and um, make such big moves that it can, it can lead to all kinds of problems. It's a systematic thing. It's looking at the systematic problems in the police force or in, you know, a city government, whatever. And so I mean, it's actually, it's, it's got a pretty big scope in terms of the story, but it's really focused on just, you know, a handful of characters and how they're maneuvering through all of this. And so I, I think it's really, it's actually really well done. Uh, there's some elements of it. I mean, it's, it, it's set in 1992. So a lot of like the, the music and, and stuff, it's kind of nineties ish. And some of it still plays well, you know, there's like, um, there's some parts of it where there's like NWA playing or some, you know, other gangster rap era at the time, but uh, other music is just a little bit, you know, kind of kind of cheeseball at, at this point. But um, and it's funny because uh, the other thing is, you know, this is at that era where, you know, for a film to kind of get like the street cred in a way, um, at least in terms of, um, you know, who's in the film and, and how authentic it is or whatever, you know, that they always try to include like one or two, like, you know rappers or, or like, you know, hip hop stars or something. And, you know, here you've got corrupt, um, <laughs> just like robbing and killing people next to Dash Mihawk, which I, I don't know how those two got paired up or whatever. It, it kind of works, but it's also a little bit, it's a little bit like shoehorn in there. Um, you got Master P who's playing another criminal uh, who's getting shaken down or whatever, but it's like Master P. I don't associate him with like Los Angeles, but whatever, you know. But you know, it's one of those things where every filmmaker at that time, like two thousands era, they had to work somebody in that was known to like look quote unquote urban culture uh, to you know to to get a little bit of credibility with audiences. You know, you have something like Training Day also right around the same time, you know, where they got like Snoop, um, Dr. Dre and, you know, whoever else is in it. And it's just now I feel like you don't even have to do that because get real actors and get actors who can really play the parts, not play themselves or a version of themselves. Um, But, you know, at the time, this was kind of a thing to do. And here it's here it is on display. But um, you know, the other thing to it is that this and training day, by the way, I mean, 
the influence of David Ayer and his writing, his style of storytelling, and his focus on certain subject matter, including like police culture uh, and even street culture and gang culture. You know, it's really interesting that this guy who I pretty much like most of his films. I mean, the homie is pretty solid, it seems like. Even with the Suicide Squad, you know, I, whatever. I actually like that better than the second version of it, okay? But either way, uh, his approach to telling these kinds of stories and how criminals and cops, sometimes they can be the same people, same type of people. And sometimes their worlds are so intertwined. It's like they're both sides of the same coin. And so being able to show that, and this movie I think does that pretty well, actually. It's like some of the, the cops here, you're not sure if they're worse than the actual criminals. But again, you know, it's part of illustrating where Los Angeles Police Department was in 1992. So uh, I'm a fan. I'm into it. This is a recommendation for me. Um, It feels a little bit aged, like I said, but uh, maybe part of that's intentional because it's set in 1992 specifically. Um, And maybe it even gives a little bit of context about what the city was like, or or even the world was like at that time, you know, the sensitivity to uh, things re- revolving around police or revolving around the streets or, you know, uh, racism or, or police brutality or whatever. So much of that is in play here. And it feels a little different than it does today, even though the systematic, you know, issues are still there, but, um, it, it, it just gives a little bit of a different context. So that's a recommendation for me. That's Dark Blue. Check it out. All right. So we'll keep this moving here. This is number 98. This is Officer Down. And this is from 2013. Uh, it's directed by Brian A. Miller. Uh, stars Stephen Dorff and Stephen Lang and uh, a few other people, too. Um, you may or may not recognize. But um, this one is uh interesting because <laughs> I actually thought it was a different film but that's okay um this is still somewhat interesting in terms of uh maybe more of a curiosity but like Stephen Dorff I always associate with him certain types of roles and and here later like so let's say in, since this maybe around this time in the last 10 years or so He's really taken a whole different tack with the types of roles he's played, or at least that's the way it seems to me. And uh, here's one where he plays a detective who is trying to solve a crime that may be re- related to some issues that he had in the past. And uh, you know, ultimately, he, he starts to realize like, uh, he's kind of been taken for a ride. And... Um, you know, he's he's gone a little bit on a, like a wild goose chase or whatever. He's tracking clues and trying to figure out the suspects, and he's maybe got the wrong people in mind. And he starts to uncover, like, bigger things at play, and he realizes that, um, you know, he's hitting just dead ends everywhere. And so, you know, there, there's one kind of showcase moment where he kind of uh, hauls off and, you know, just goes berserk on on people at the end of the film. But for the most part, it's, it's similar in a, in a way it's kind of similar to the dry, you know, where, um, it's someone who's dealing with something in their past and yet he's trying to investigate a current, you know, uh, and a current investigation of a, of a murder. Um, and he's getting shut down. He's not, all his leads aren't really working and he's starting to realize this may have something to do with something that happened to him or something he was involved with. And so that's where that's where the similarities are kind of at. Um, you know, another <laughs> another similarity maybe to um, uh, another movie we just talked about here. Right. Exposed is that this film also had a little bit of uh, influence other than the filmmaker himself. And in terms of uh, if you look at uh, IMDb or some of the, you know, some of the online stuff about this, um, there's a character in this film who is really not a significant character, 
but is played by a, an Ukrainian actress and singer. And her produ her her husband was the producer of this film. And there was a some kind of a contractual obligation or agreement or whatever that she had to have so much screen time. And so there's more footage, uh, more more of this character than is necessary in the film. And it doesn't really add to the story. It's not, um, it's not crucial in any way to the plot necessarily. There's a tiny bit, but you could see where this could be like one scene, a couple minutes on screen. And then I don't need to see this character again. And yet, um, that's the way it kind of turned out. So, uh, you know, that always is troubling to me when a filmmaker is having elements of their film changed or re-edited or inserted that wasn't part of their vision. And so, you know, seeing this and seeing that that is an element here, it's a little bit disappointing. You know, the film itself, it's okay. It's not great. Um, it's not necessarily bad either. Um, I, I'll just say this. It's a pass. Check it out if you're curious, if you just have nothing else to watch at the moment. But um, let's keep it moving. Number 99. Big 99. Coming up on something else soon. But here's number 99. This is Officer Down. Not Officer Down. Officer Down. This is from 2016. And... Here's one that uh, is directed by Sean Crahan, uh, stars Kim Coates, the magnificent Kim Coates, who uh, I, my first memory is Last Boy Scout. But he's been in a lot of stuff. You recognize the face. He's one of those guys that uh, is like a character actor. He's sometimes played bad guys, sometimes just played creepy guys, whatever. Here he's a total badass, though. He's just he's it. He's this, um, I don't know, engineered super cop type of thing. Um, you know, this is all based on a graphic novel. And sometimes when the film is based on a graphic novel, it's still played pretty realistic, somewhat grounded, you know. Unless you get into like Marvel territory where it really amps it up. And, you know, now we're in space and got aliens and all kinds of shit. But here... <laughs> This is based on a graphic novel, and it looks and feels and sounds like a graphic novel. I mean, it is just insane. And, I, you know, part of it is, uh, at its bare premise, it's a, this super cop who can be revived, uh, can get wounded, nearly killed, killed, and still be brought back to life, head out again to take on more bad guys. And... So already there, like that's set up really quickly right off the top of the film. And so once you know that, you're like, okay, well, anything can go now. Anything can happen. And anything does happen. Uh, he, this uh, super cop, you know, Officer Down, he's sent in to basically tackle this criminal underground. You know, all these different uh, gangs or, you know, just the, all the creeps and all the weirdos and, and everybody that's out there doing bad stuff. He's going to take down all of them, basically. And uh, there's a part of this that is fun to watch because it's it's violent, it's bloody as hell. I mean, it's, it's just madness in some ways. It's really trippy. It's got lots of, you know, weird lighting, angles, and camera work and all that. Even the character himself is... Uh, it's played pretty straight, you know, but it's got a little bit, it's, it's a little bit of like a RoboCop vibe where there's that dark humor, the satire elements in there that, you know, make it, make it a little bit clever. Um, but, you know, ultimately it comes down to how much does it stick with you? You know, there's something like, like a film like RoboCop, like there's so much there that is so strong. It's so well constructed. It's so tight in terms of the characters, the, the plot, the setting, everything about it. And yet this, it just feels like it's so out there. It's so loose. It's so just a free for all that if that's what you're into, good, 
fine. This will be right up your alley. But if it if it confuses you or it's disorienting or, or just doesn't make any sense, you, you're going to have trouble with this film. And so it's very much for a particular audience. You know, it's very much like the grindhouse kind of B movie scene. And, um, you know, with that in mind, if that's what you're looking for, you just want something to, you know, just hang out with some friends and just, you know, talk shit to the screen, this is one, you know? Uh, if you're looking for something that's like really weighty and thoughtful and, you know, and <laughs> all the things this film is not, then, yeah, you're going to steer clear. You know, I and look, it, it's I wasn't confused by like the marketing or the trailer or anything. I, I could tell pretty quickly that's what it was. So I went into it just thinking, all right, well, let me just see. And... Yeah, I mean, I got more than I expected uh, and some different things than what I expected, but um, I can't really say I totally enjoyed that either, you know, which I, I guess that's that's where I come down. It's like, it was interesting. It was fun. It was, it was definitely more than I was thinking of, but there's not a lot that I take away from it. It's not a movie that you're going to be quoting. It's not a movie you're going to be remembering like certain moments of necessarily. So uh, it was a good shot. It's good effort. Um, you know, the the team behind this, I could see another thing down the road in the future that might refine some of the um, some of the, the filmmaking and some of the characters and, and, and that kind of stuff. And maybe really punch it in really you know, dial it into something that's going to like land and stick, you know, um, this one, I just, I don't know if it's it, but that's me. Right. So that's officer down, but, uh, you know, in my mind, Kim Coates is the winner here. Okay. The film, maybe, maybe not, but I like that Kim Coates at least got a really fun, interesting, um, just, you know, Balls to the ball, action, uh, super cop, you know, whatever whatever the hell you want to call this. I'm glad that Kim Coates got a, a day here to just really let it all go and just have fun. Um, so anyway, Officer Down is number 99. And that is this episode. Next episode is Big 100. And I don't know, maybe we'll do a little something different. Um, we'll see. But in the meantime... Thanks for checking out Filmstreak. If you want to find more episodes, you can go to filmstreak.com. Let me get comfortable here. Ah. You can go to filmstreak.com, find other episodes there. You can um, subscribe, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the places. Um, in the meantime, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for listening and do your thing. Be safe, be strong, and uh, keep watching those movies. 